Volunteer Podcast, a podcast where others, like myself, share their burnout to recovery experiences in hope that by doing so, others will find solace in knowing they are not alone. The views, opinions, tips and the like expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests are not a replacement for evidence-based therapy. These are our own human experiences. Just like I have done for myself, I encourage those of you who are suffering to seek professional help. Episode 14 of Burnout Different Kind of Gap Year brings you the burnout stories of the producers of another lived experience podcast called End Life Happened. Jessica and Samantha are no strangers to life difficulties and have shared their vulnerability openly in their podcast in episodes 1 and 2. Well worth checking out. I was drawn to their Instagram page in the early stages of my burnout recovery as I got so much benefit from their message of sharing openly to promote the power of being soft and strong, hard and gentle, resilient and vulnerable. You can check them out on Instagram at end underscore life happened. On this episode of Burnout Different Kind of Gap Year, they share their burnout to recover experience with you. Jessica shares her job burnout working in the education industry in the US. Her story showcases the negative impacts of a toxic colleague, how her burnout came in waves, difficulties accessing therapy during the pandemic, and the benefits once found. She even walks us through a couple of her most helpful therapy exercises. Samantha, on the other hand, shares her mum burnout experience with us, how her expectations of what motherhood should look like played a role in burning out, and how she navigated the challenges to accessing support from others and once found how it became a lifesaver for her. Together, their stories showcase the similarities and differences in one's burnout experiences. I do hope you find benefit in hearing their full experiences. Hi, Jessica and Samantha. Welcome to Burnout, a different kind of gap year podcast. Hello. Thank Hello. you. Thanks so much for your willingness to come on the show and speak to your, you know, your personal burnout stories. I really appreciate, yeah, that, that you're here with us today. Thank you for having us. Excited. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited as well. You're my first duo and all the way from America as well. So this is really cool. So thank you. So Jessica, if I can start with you, uh, just giving us a little bit of a background of what was happening in your life leading up to the burnout, like a bit of a picture around work, life. Yeah. The pre-burnout? Yeah, pre-burnout. Okay. Mm. So uh, for me, pre-burnout, I was in my dream job with a company that had been my goal to, to work with. Um, for mm-hmm. years prior to starting there, I, I ended up being there for 10 years, but I was in that dream role that i had always wanted. I had just mm-hmm. been promoted to that role um, and burnout started just shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had been with them about five years, maybe six when it started. Mm-hmm. I was finishing my doctorate. I had just finished uh, chapter three. And so for me, um, that meant here in America, I only had two chapters left. I had to analyze the data. I had all my data. I had to analyze it and then present the finding when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was, I mean, well, I actually was diagnosed 
then got the role. Um, so I was dealing with, you know, the after effects of the treatment. So it was not part of my burnout, but it was still happening at the same time. Like most cancers, uh, the treatment takes a toll on your body and I call it an invisible illness. Um, I am cancer free, but the after effects of having it, uh, there's lots of things that, that does to your body. And so I was dealing with that, but it wasn't part of my burnout. I wasn't feeling any burnout. I was so excited about the new role. Yes. And I actually was so, I mean, before I started working with this company, I interviewed at a company while working on my master's degree a long time ago. And they said, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, I was going to be at this company in this department. And which is, you know, kind of, it was a summer job. It wasn't something I was going to keep. <laughs> Otherwise, that would be a really weird thing to say. But I always wanted to be there. So that was me pre-burnout yeah. in my happy place. <laughs> wow. And with your, with the job, what, what was, yeah, if you can tell us a little bit more about sure. I say, your profession, you know, what that, that um, role. So I was in higher education. I had been a teacher and then I was a principal. Yes. Um, and then I moved into higher education. I work for a non-for-profit university. I would tell people that I was semi-retired mm -hmm. because I worked a ton of hours, but it didn't feel like working. Yeah. I loved my job. And um, mm -hmm. I was in a department that's a little unique, but if I say the department name, mm -hmm. um, it might be easy to identify the company. So I won't yeah, say that yeah. department, but a completely unique department. But um, at the time I had, uh, in the new role, I mm -hmm. had, uh, quite a few teams under me. Um, we were in the teacher's college. And mm -hmm. so I was over special education, pedagogy, math, science, and at, at the time, English language learners. And it, it varied wow. um, when I left. That, those were my teams. Yes. Speaking of higher education and senior management, they're running teams. So it gives us more insight into. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I had. Hmm. I had over a hundred employees. That's what I was going Whoa, to say. Whoa, okay. Yeah. I'm thinking like teams, like 20, maybe hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and in a yeah. area within higher education as well, and doing your doctorate, having recovered from breast cancer as well, but those after effects, but it, and, and as you said, in your dream job, it was, you know, mm -hmm. you, you loved what you, what you did as well. Loved it. Yeah, so that really gives us a great insight there in pre-burnout. Now I'll switch over to Samantha. <laughs> and the same question, Samantha, you know, filling us in with that pre-burnout, uh, like what was going on for you there in your life? Yeah, so mine is mom burnout and <laughs> I have a, a daughter and I think this is a, an important part of it, right? So my daughter, when she was born, my husband died three weeks after she was born. Mm -hmm. And so going into um, having a new baby again, I and having a, a partner that, that mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is, you know, he's not going to die right after mm -hmm. she's born. Mm -hmm. I went in with a lot of assumptions. Mm -hmm about what it looks like when you have two people that are able to actively parent mm -hmm. um, and what life would be like with that. I had my daughter and I was, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't even remember the first three months of her life. Yeah. And so I'm in this phase right now where I'm realizing like, I also don't remember the first three months of her life. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, there's like made up 
almost visions, you know, going into it, it's like, oh, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what it's going to feel like. And I've already been a mom before. Yeah. So I've got this down. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think, you know, that, that was pre burnout me. Like I'm ready for this. Um, I've got it down. It's going to be different. So Samantha, and I'm sorry if I didn't pick this up, that this is your, so with your second, having that I'll, I'll have two parents here that I've done this before. So expecting it to be a certain way. Yeah. So my, my husband, my, my current husband yeah. had ne- has never done it before um, because he didn't come into our life until my daughter was a little over a year old. Okay. And so he has never done the baby phase, mm-hmm. but you know, I see him interact with my toddler daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and so there is very much this like, yeah, like mm-hmm. I got two parents, two involved parents. Yeah. It's going to be different. <laughs> Yes. If, if you don't mind, Samantha, because yeah, expectations that that image and beliefs and thoughts or whatever that how it's going to look like and feel mm-hmm. like sometimes uh, definitely my own experience set my, set myself up for failure. But what was those expectations? You know, just filling us a little bit in on what you imagined it was going to be like. You know. Um. I so I think I imagined that you know once son was able to bottle feed yeah. that we'd be sharing feedings, yes. that we'd be sharing all the diaper changes. Mm-hmm. That yes, I am on a huge extended maternity leave in the U.S. I get 18 weeks off, which is not normal in the U.S. And so amazing, beautiful, mm. but, and he has to work because he runs his own company, yes. but I imagined that, you know, he would come home from work and he would take our son and that I would get breaks and he would understand mm. the need for those. And on the weekends, he would be home more than he had been because now we have two kids instead of one. Yes. And so just those kind of lots of help, like I envisioned yeah. Yeah. all this amazing support and help. Thank you both there for sharing that pre-burnout where your life was at and Jessica really, you know, that job burnout and for you, Samantha, mum burnout. But just turning the tables and going back to you, Jessica, just moving into that burnout experience itself, just how it showed up for you. Like what were the signs and symptoms that, you know, something's going wrong here, you know, something's not happening. I I have quite a bit to share on this Mm -hmm. um, uh part because it took four years <laughs> so it it wasn't it, it was two waves and so the second wave I like to share about the first wave because the second wave probably wouldn't have been as impactful if I hadn't had the first okay. so for me um, I didn't know until after I went on leave for my job but I will tell you I had co-workers I mean it was like an epiphany afterwards I couldn't believe I didn't know <laughs> mm. But I had coworkers, uh, namely Samantha here. Yes. She was a peer of mine at work and she would say, you can't heal in the place that made you sick. And it made sense, but it didn't quite hit that it was burnout until after. I thought of the phrase burnout as, yes, it's real, but also everybody uses the phrase burnout, like, oh, I'm so burned out, that was a tough day, or, oh, I'm so burned out, I need a vacation. But Mm -hmm. until I was in burnout, I didn't realize how intense it was, Mm -hmm. you know, like looking back and seeing how bad it was. So the first time Mm -hmm. I was experiencing it was 2018, 2019. I 
I had a difficult situation that I needed to deal with at work and it was very difficult. The situation took almost two years to resolve and, and it wasn't even, there wasn't really a resolution. It just wasn't my situation to deal with anymore. And so during that time, I had a lot of stress related symptoms, uh, mm-hmm. lack of sleep. I lost my voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could barely speak. I was so stressed. I could barely speak. This is during the first wave, yes. lots of crying. Mm. I lost my laugh. My laugh is permanently changed. If I laugh hard, it there's like a honk sound that comes out or like a duck quack. And I lost my laugh. And then problems in my marriage. I kept bringing my work home with me. And I mean, I worked from home. So I would literally walk out of my room and my husband works from home too. And I'd walk out of my office and I would just unload on him and you know verbally vomit everything that had been happening that day or tears and and he would say quit and i go i can't i love my job and he's i went from absolutely loving it and i still believe in the company i still believe in what they do for students but just sick and i had ulcers i had to have an endoscopy done and i had ulcers and which led to other issues they found other problems and in finding those problems which is great i maybe wouldn't have found it I had to have yet another surgery from mm-hmm. having, uh, you know, I, I had my double mastectomy yes. when I was diagnosed, but I had to have another surgery and they found a tumor on an ovary. Yeah. And so that I was grateful that, I mean, it led to that, but mm-hmm. that surgery got botched and I was down for quite a while. I mean, it was, it was botched and they had to cut me open, take out my mm-hmm. intestines, move around all my organs. It was just, it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And that was at the tail end of that other nightmare. So I was trying to heal stress-wise and trying to heal physically. Thankfully, it wasn't, the tumor wasn't cancerous, but they thought that it would become cancerous because I'd had cancer before. So they were really glad that they had gone in, but I had then this 10 inch incision uh, vertically um, and then I got COVID. (laughs) So I was coughing with, you know, it was before we knew it was COVID, right? So I had that. Yeah. And that was at tail end of 2019. So 2020, when everybody's home with COVID and it's stressful because mm-hmm. of COVID, that was actually a better year for me as far mm-hmm. as work life only because I didn't have that situation anymore. But then I was starting to feel a lot of, I, I always forget the term, mm-hmm. compassion fatigue, I guess, because yeah. I was That's trying right. to help my employees who were also dealing with COVID and then their employees were dealing with COVID and the loss of loved ones and and that sort of thing. And then the second wave, so COVID doesn't even count as my waves. (laughs) So then the second wave came in and what happened was I actually, we got a new boss and she made life unbearable for me. And so while I'm dealing with compassion fatigue and I'm I'm trying to do everything that I can for my employees and we're dealing with change and, you know, just everything that you do on a regular basis. Plus COVID, I had a boss that uh, I couldn't go to, to talk about what I was dealing with at work. And I couldn't talk to her about what was happening with my employees and, Mm. and there was, I felt helpless. So I felt it was actually worse than the first time, but as Samantha had said, I couldn't heal in the place that made me sick. So even though the situation wasn't as dire as the first one, I I just, it came back like a wave. And so I, in that, that's when I, I was 
So everything I had said before, right? <laughs> Other than losing my voice, I did not lose my voice that time, but wasn't able to focus as much as I could. I didn't dive into work. Like, I loved working. I yeah. loved working for this company. And I just, it was like, oh, another project. Oh, you know, it just became yeah. unbearable weight to do more and more and more, you know, just kept piling on. Yes. Um, I was having memory issues. Um, that could be from COVID, that could be from my cancer treatment, that could be from stress, that could be from age, that could, whatever. Um, but I was having memory issues and I was struggling to just retain information. You know, I'd go into meetings and go, what did we talk about in that meeting? Mm. I don't even remember. And before I would take copious notes and like Samantha said, I'm the, you know, I would always have all my ducks in a row and, and everything for every, whatever it was. And Samantha's like, you know, I'm the wing it girl. Well, I didn't have all my ducks in a row like I normally did because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And so not having that person that I could go to and and there's problems with this leader, undermining, talking down to you, uh, micromanaging, mm -hmm. not good with people at all. And even just telling the story, it doesn't, I can't express the weight yes. of how she made me feel I was felt targeted mm. but because I hadn't fully healed I I didn't I wasn't able to find help the first time here in Arizona here in America it's hard to find a therapist here in Arizona it's it's far more difficult That's during right. COVID they opened up their boundaries in Arizona mm -hmm. so I was actually able to later the mm -hmm. second wave find a therapist but the first wave I never I I mean I called and called and called and called and couldn't get anybody so that's mm. uh, like <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly what you're going for but that was mine my two waves yeah and that description of waves because I've heard some uh, people have experienced multiple sometimes describe it as cycles but waves for you waves and not even even having recovered from the first wave when the second wave hit you know because of, as you said being able to access help in that second wave hit, hitting and uh, instrumental part of that is a, a factor outside of yourself, a person, a very toxic person who, you know, you weren't able to get the support that you needed and worse, you know, it, you know, um, well, bullying really, um, you yes, know, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, you really painted that picture there of what that, you know, your burnout experience in those ways were for, uh, yeah, were for you. So we'll, we'll switch over to Samantha now, if that's okay, Jessica. And, and absolutely. Check, yeah. And check in with Samantha of, you know, what were those signs and symptoms that when you started to know, you know, I'm experiencing burnout here, I'm, I'm burning out. Yeah. You know, I, I took notes of what Jessica was saying and being like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, in so many of them. And for me, you know, there came a point where I would, like when I would talk with my friends, I'd say, I don't have postpartum depression. Mm. I just need X or I just need this or, you know, like, because because there there is postpartum depression, but I knew it wasn't that for me, right? Like. I was burnt and I, I, I've said it to Jessica multiple times. I'm burned out. Like I'm burned out as a mom. But for me, you know, what Jessica was talking about, the stress, like, so I have a new baby, right? Mm -hmm. Life is very different. I'm realizing I don't have it under control. Mm -hmm. I am extremely sleep deprived. I am trying to talk to my husband because, you know, he's taken over the things like, 
doing the meals, but I, I am feeling like I have to ask for everything. Can mm-hmm. you hold the baby? Can, and, and being um, resentful of that, mm-hmm. because in my mind, I shouldn't have to ask. Mm-hmm. You are my partner. And so, you know, trying to talk with him about it. And um, in one of the first couple of conversations, we were having conversations every week mm-hmm. and, you know, and hearing him say, you've went through stuff worse than this. And so I felt like I was losing my voice different than Jessica's loss of voice, Uh, but similar, right? Like I was losing my ability to, so I, when this happens to me, I tend to just go inward and I'll, and I'll be like, fine, I can do it all. Like just back off. I don't need you. Mm. I'm going to be alone. I'll just figure it out. But I was crying every single day, like just sitting and crying, not because I was depressed, but because I knew I needed help. Like I wanted a partner. I had these assumptions of what life was going to be like. And it wasn't like that. We were, you know, our marriage, (laughs) it was not in a good spot starting. I mean, we're now nine weeks in or whatever. And I'm, I could say like, we're starting to turn a corner, but, um, because of some things that have happened, but, and I was feeling touched out. Like my husband is a snuggler at night Mm -hmm. and I usually enjoy that, but he would like get close and I would like move away. I like, I just don't want you to touch me. And I felt like, I think Jessica, you said you felt like helpless almost. Mm-hmm. And, and I was feeling that like, I signed up for this. I signed up for being a mom. What am I supposed to new, do? I know I'm a better mom. If I get a break, I can't seem to get a break. I'm momming 24 seven. He's yes. gone all the time. He comes home. He doesn't pick up the baby. I keep telling him, I need you to give me a break. And he's like, I don't know his idea of a break. and My idea of break are different, right? Like <laughs> he's yeah. like, Oh, well, I'll do this with Livy, but you can still have the baby. No, no, no. I need a break. I need a break from being a mom. Yeah. 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 And so like, it just started, like, it was just compiling for me, Mm -hmm. all of those things, just adding on and adding on and just like realizing Mm -hmm. I I can't keep living like this. Yeah. Yeah. You okay there, Samantha? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the helplessness, just like Jessica mentioned, Samantha, you said you can relate to that. Like just that there's no, no way out or mm-hmm. no way forward that you're not getting the help mm-hmm. that you need, although mm-hmm. you're asking for it, you know, you know, it's not that you're not reaching out and trying to get that all Jessica in your case, you know, the people you can tap into aren't the people you can, you know, you're mm-hmm. senior management that, you know, it's they're uh, unsafe and, or for you, Samantha, the person's not able to get it and and not able to be there in the way that you need to at that time. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. a trap. It's a word I used and, and, and certainly other people have described parts of their or their experience when they're in the thick of burnout, just feeling trapped and, and no way out. And that is I think, Jessica, you felt that trap too, not to chime in, but we've had many a conversation yep. about your doctorate, your student loans, all of those things mm-hmm. and needing to stay mm-hmm. because of but those things. It does that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had student loans and, and I needed the income yeah. and I wanted to mm-hmm. work from home because I also had my grandson a couple of days a week and I like, and, 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 mm-hmm. and all of the ands 
made me feel trapped. Exactly. Like I really hear there's a theory, uh, I'm not sure if you've come across, but a stress model and, and simply it's this job, job demands. And, and I'm not talking any roles we have, motherhood, professional, doesn't matter. Like the job demands, whatever the role, role demands, <laughs> let's call it role demands, <laughs> role demands versus resources, whatever role that is that we're in, that the demands of that role have now outweighed uh-huh. the resources we have. And we're absolutely depleted of resources that can be internal, but also external resources, the people around us, internal, the, our energy levels, our health, our mental, emotional, all those resources. And yeah, but the demands are still there. And, and Samantha, you know, mom, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. And if we, you know, don't have that mum break that can be given by our partner or others around us Mm -hmm. we're in it 24 7 and yeah you you can't keep those job demands (laughs) role demands just keep coming and we end up in this um sorry want for a better Mm -hmm. word just an absolute mess and no fault to our own it's just it's the laws of humanity you know that's what happens yeah so that yeah yeah is there anything else you wanted to add samantha i feel like i might have cut you off anything else in your experience there of burnout and how it showed up how it shows up for you um i think the only thing and i i think you kind of just touched on it it was the purpose for me and i've said this to jessica multiple times too is i i need a purpose outside of being a mom Mm. um and so i was very much feeling my loss of purpose because the only thing I had was mom. Mm. That's so, thank you for sharing that, Samantha, loss of purpose Mm -hmm. uh, outside of being a mom. Uh, Because, yeah, and Jessica, for yourself, it was like with, because work that provided a lot of meaning for you, I felt that. It was my identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I actually, I call it, who am I now? And Samantha and I have talked about Mm -hmm. it so many times who am I now? Now that I'm not a senior manager, Mm -hmm. now that I'm not Dr. Jessica, Mm -hmm. like, you know, who am I? I don't want to be just a grandma. And that sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. Like I feel guilty saying it. I don't want to be just a grandma. I don't want to be just a housewife. And I've said to my husband, I don't want to be just the maid and I don't clean. So Mm -hmm. I'm saying don't have, like, he does, he's not like <laughs> clean. Like I can't, I, and I, I'm jealous of people who that's what fills their bucket. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fill mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, and yes. the, the purpose statement is it's true. I had attached too much of my identity to my, my job mm-hmm. um, and my degree. Yeah. Hey, Jessica, you and I both with that one, I did, but it, it brings up, I think a very similarity between both. And I think what they've, you know, the research indicates about burnout as well is that, or, or just stress related conditions anyway, that our, the roles in which we are fulfilling are not enough to fulfill all our sense of self and what mm-hmm. gives us meaning mm-hmm. and purpose, which will differ from each person. And and then there's that layer of guilt for even feeling that way that maybe I should be mm-hmm. okay with being mom or a grand or mm-hmm. or being a psych, whatever that is, but that we are so much more yeah, we're we're complex us human beings and what gives us meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. But that's often what I hear and, and was my experience as well as is, is in that a sign of burnout for me, which I didn't realise till later, was that that purposeless, meaningless and that I put all my eggs in the one basket, which was psychologist yeah. identity was attached yeah. to that and I was much more than that but I didn't realize <laughs> but um it didn't fulfill enough but hey if we can switch gears now and and go back to you Jessica and sort of moving on to 
I, I often call it recovery, but those steps that started to support you or, or even some of the things that you were doing to help support you that may not have been so helpful because we, we try these things and go, oh, yep, that's not helping. <laughs> but just that, that, that stage, I suppose, you know, stepping out or, or stepping through burnout and, and what were the things that, you know, supported you or didn't support you as you, yeah. Well, some things that didn't work because I was in full-blown burnout and didn't realize it, but I think help other people when they're not in burnout, right? Where they're just maybe carrying too heavy of a load and they need to lessen their load. It was something that I stole from Samantha and then went online and found like a print version of it so that I could do it with my team was the paper plate activity, Samantha. And it, it didn't work for me for a reason and i'll share that in a moment but the paper plate activity if you don't know what it is is done in stages i found one that was for teachers and we in our department were all either everybody on this meeting were all former teachers and we work with teachers and so you list all the things and i'm gonna get this wrong i don't have it in front of me anymore actually i do have my paper plate in front of me let me go grab it i kept it it's so funny so in the in the middle i put my title and because it was just about work and then in one color ink you put the things that you do Mm -hmm. for work things that are on your calendar things that you have to do so i had you know data emails one-on-ones town halls teams which is the platform that we used uh dei committee number one dei committee number two dei committee number three and life or what we what do we do uh aspiring leader coaching samantha and i did that together it was Mm a a project that we had all of those things and then in the outside of this plate you put the things that are outside of work time with the kids going to oh, things that fill your bucket mm-hmm. so time with the kids going to the river having my grandson things like mm-hmm. that then you go through and you cross out what you can of the things on your to-do list mm-hmm. on your in the center of your plate and you can reduce your load a little mm-hmm. bit you circle the things that bring you joy in your work life and you it really brings into perspective mm-hmm. what you like to do at work maybe if there's some things some hats you can take off um and um it helps to refocus so i i like time with my kiddos so i would look for more time with my kiddos the problem being there is that i didn't realize i was in full-blown burnout and what later i discovered and i was going to actually talk about now is when i did finally get a therapist she said you're in situational depression you have PTSD and situational depression. She didn't diagnose me. She said, I would like you to talk to you, someone about blah, because she couldn't diagnose me. But, and so in the middle of the situation, none of this was helping because like Samantha had said, you can't heal in the place that made you sick. So I'm doing all of these things to try to heal, focusing on the parts of my work that I loved, like our aspiring leader coaching that Samantha and I did on our own outside of our regular workload and we would mentor people who wanted to move into leadership and it just it really filled my bucket mm. but also was draining me dry yeah. <laughs> like you know and samantha may feel this way too like it, it i loved it but because i was so miserable mm. it was it, i would enjoy it while i was there but it was also another thing i had to do yes. so it was really mm-hmm. tough yeah you know but so those are the things that didn't work but i know do help if you're not fully in burnout, just yes. things to help your your employees manage their load yes. and and feel better work life balance. But before realizing I had burnout, I actually I talked to my husband because you asked about you know who my resources were at the time. Yes. Remember, I tried for years to find a therapist, but uh, I talked to my husband, I talked to close family, close friends, and 
two close coworkers, peers at work mm -hmm. that I would share, well, actually three, that I would share things with. What I ended up doing, which was very unhealthy, was I started to share my stress mm -hmm. to my trusted employees. So I had, um, I actually had just a couple employees that I started to vent to, and that's so, I mean, mm. you know, what am I doing? That they're supposed to vent to me, not the other way around. And I oh, realized yeah. I was doing it, and that's when I was like, I really have a problem because mm. I'm unburdening myself onto them, so they're carrying my burden. So my husband had been telling me for the longest time to leave. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept telling, I can't, and I list all the reasons that I can't. You know, like, uh, I, you know, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I can't. And I mean, I would bawl, I can't. Mm -hmm. And so I remember the day, <laughs> it was December 6th, 2021. Yes. Um, my husband came downstairs and I said, I just put myself on a leave of absence. And he said, good, because we just sold our place mm -hmm. and now we can pay off, you know, whatever. Some of the, take yeah. some of the, the stress off of my shoulders. It was, yeah. it was, incredible. I could not, because I just threw in the towel, like I can't, I can't even physically get myself to work another minute. And he said, well, I just got a call from the realtor and, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so then I found, oh, I wish I would have brought it with me today. I found a resource that it was on Instagram. Like my phone was listening to me <laughs> and, it's, and it was a, and Samantha, if you remember what it was called, because you have a better memory than me, great. But it was a resource to go online and find a therapist in your area. And it was, uh, I didn't know Arizona had expanded access to therapists and therapy and um, stuff temporarily during COVID. So I, I, I found a therapist who was in another state and I, I actually, it, went, it was a kind of a process to get them. It took about three months to actually get to where I was with the person I was really comfortable with. but. Yeah. I, that resource got me multiple people who were taking new patients or new clients mm -hmm. and I interviewed them and, you know, I did the first introductory call, felt, you know, mm -hmm. tried it out, see if we clicked, if I felt comfortable with them. And, mm -hmm. and then as I've already mentioned, my therapist is the one that said, mm -hmm. uh, cause they, I tried medication as well. Mm -hmm. And I tried three different medications. It was a different doctor, obviously not her. And actually had two different doctors kind of competing over like, well, no, you should be taking this one. You know, you should be taking this one. And none of them were working. And they had very, very dire side effects with me. Oh, and yes. my therapist said, I want you to go in and talk to your doctor about situational depression. I don't think the medication is right for you. It is mm -hmm. right for some. I don't think it's right for you because you don't have a chemical imbalance. You need to get out of the situation you're in. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as she said that, it was like, oh, you know, like, it was like, whoa, yeah. I, you know, even though Samantha kept telling me you can't heal the place that made you sick. And my husband's like, quit your job. It was, I needed out of the situation. And then that could have mean, that could have meant transferring to another department, but I had tried and I had some people at the, the university saying that they would help me and then people getting in their way saying that they would not and that I, yes. I couldn't just transfer. And, and then I, I would always come back to Samantha's phrase. I would still be with the same company that didn't do what they should have done from the mm -hmm. get go. And mm -hmm. so would they do it again? And would I still be in this terrible situation and would I be able to heal? Mm -hmm. And 
I was supposed to go back on February 28th and that evening I could not sleep. So, it, I mean, I was just a wreck. Yes. Everything came yes. back and I emailed and said, I'm so sorry. I had every intention of coming back. I cannot physically do it. And so then mm-hmm. my therapist and I worked going forward mm-hmm. um, from that moment. First of all, she did a happy dance because mm-hmm. she kept telling me she was worried about me going back. Yeah. But um, <laughs> But then we worked on how to handle my PTSD and because the situational depression resolved itself. I mean, instantaneously, Uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like we mentioned, I then started to work on who am I now Yes. and the PTSD. And we worked on that together, the who am I now? And she had some amazing techniques. And if, if you would like me to share them. Yes. um, Yes, um, So Mm -hmm. for the PTSD, a couple of things. One that was really helpful for me was she said, take off your shoes mm-hmm. and put your feet on the floor. And if, it, and if you can put them outside, that's even better. I'm in Arizona. So uh, eight months out of the year, I might not be able to put my feet on the ground outside. But um, so I take off my shoes and I put it on my cold tile mm-hmm. and that and then I put my hand on my chest and I say, I'm safe. I am safe. And I take my deep breaths. And then I love the five, four, three, two, one grounding technique. It's one of my absolute favorites. And th- I mean, she's had me do other things too. Like wherever you are, when that panic attack hits, touch something. And so I remember one time breaking down, um, I actually got a package from that boss. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the letter she sent was from before I quit, but she sent it after I quit, like, a, I don't know, a month after I quit or something. And I had a full, like, I was shaking. I was shaking for hours. My heart was rapidly beating for hours after. And the package wasn't mean. It wasn't mean at all. Yes. Other than she referred to us as the golden girls and we're all older than her. And I think that that's really a crappy thing to do. Yes. I don't think she understands that she's calling us old, but you know, yes. she sent us something with the Golden Girls. But I don't think that the, there was no malice, in my opinion. But she, mm-hmm. she doesn't understand what yes. she does to people, and so mm-hmm. you know, I was triggered. So I grabbed the washing machine. I was doing laundry, and I was trying not to break down. So I grabbed a hold of the washing machine and felt the cold of the washing machine, and just did the mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one right there in the laundry room. Just mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one. And then the who am I now, she had me do the I am board. And we've talked about that on our account for our And Life Happen account. I have my I am board with magnets and it's right above my desk. So when I start to feel like I'm just a blank, um, you know, grandma, mom, cook, whatever, I look up at my board and I think I have 40 different things that I am on this board. And it pulls me out of the minute and brings me back into the whole picture mm. of, of who I am. Yeah. Um, and then also putting my mental and physical health first always is she helped me to do that too. So, yeah. um, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I go to the gym two to three times a mm-hmm. week, walk outdoors when I can. And if it's too hot, we get out of town mm-hmm. and doing things that I, I enjoy. Um, and, and also trying new things to see what I enjoy because I'm a whole new me. Yeah. And so that's, that's really what she helped me with. Yeah. I no longer see her. Arizona closed their, their boundaries again yeah. because air quote COVID's over here. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I now cannot find a therapist and, you know, but, yeah. but I actually, I'm doing really, really good with the techniques that she shared with me. Oh, that's fabulous to hear. Yeah, it sounds like it was so instrumental being able to 
get access to a therapist. And Absolutely. I, and I love that you interviewed them. That is so cool because, yeah, you're not going to necessarily click, you know, with everyone. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be the right fit. So, yeah, finding that right fit once the resources were there for you, um, available and, and finding that person who – and then engaging and taking on all those strategies that you have that have helped you work through what they were able to find out, situational depression, PTSD, and yeah, to help you really heal and stepping away from that job being your met that, that first step, you know, to be able to start to recover. Uh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing all that. Such valuable resources there as well for others to hear. And switching over to you, Samantha, like for yourself, like what, like where are you at there with with recovery and what's supporting you or not supporting you at present in in being able to you know deal with that mum burnout yeah i so i think it's important for other people to know that i moved uh, to california has it been two years now jessica maybe two yeah, years about ago? Uh, yeah <laughs> and so and i am not a social um, i'm not a social person like I have mm -hmm. a very small group of friends and most of the times it takes somebody else working on being my friend for me to be a friend. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm just not that person who's going to be like, they're my best friend. And like, you know, I'm really cautious about my circle and all of that. So I moved here. I, I work from home. Mm -hmm. And so my friend braces is basically zero, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have family here besides my husband. And so we all are, we're just kind of like our own little island. Mm -hmm. I'm super grateful for mm -hmm. the small group of friends. I have two friends and my sister really, who I have kind of the whole time, they just mm -hmm. kind of let me vent. And it's pretty much every day. Sometimes it's multiple times a day. It's me mm -hmm. sending a snap of, you know, me sitting in the dark feeding my son because it's the middle of the night and I've done all the feedings and mm. I'm annoyed and I'm hearing him sleep, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but they don't like, they could be fed up and be like, gosh, would she just stop? Nobody says anything. They just let me do it. Yeah. Super duper supportive for me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, my daughter, uh, I've met other moms mm. because of my daughter my daughter's super social and wants to play with everyone outside of school and so i've met other moms and they all have had their second before me so yes. once almost a year old once nine months old and just being able to talk with them yeah. you know i just was on a play date for my daughter this Sunday and the mom's sitting next to me and she's like, I thought I was in postpartum depression. I wasn't, you know, like, and we're sharing these like similar stories um, and that sense of community yes. powerful in that, you know, I even, there's a mom down the street who saw that I was, you know, pregnant like her and she kind of like stopped me on the street again, remember, cause I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, after I gave birth and she had given birth and her son is three weeks older than me. So like yeah. we're in maternity leave together. Like we walk or text depending on the temperature out, like yeah. every day, like this is what's going on with me. What's going on with you? Like, it's just this like 
you know, the camaraderie of like, I'm in it with you, Yeah. which that has been super important. And then the final thing, you know, I, even though I had, didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with my husband, like Mm -hmm. every single week sobbing, you know, like getting angry and all of these things about two weeks ago, I think it was, he, he just, he like, he said, we need to get a nanny you need to get some part-time help Mm -hmm. until you go back to work and then we'll figure it out then. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, we need to make a schedule. We need to make a schedule because I need that. He said that to me, I need that so that you can get your time away. Just like I get my time away. It's not fair for you not to have a life. And so while I felt like he wasn't hearing me, like all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, you've heard me. Yeah. Okay. Switch. Yeah. And so, you know, I, for two weeks now, and and I've said to Jessica, the days I know, I don't have the nanny hired yet, but I have a babysitter who comes, you know, three, four days a week for anywhere from like three to five hours. Yeah. And the days I know she's going to be here, it's like, I'm a whole new woman Yeah, <laughs> because I can, I can do, you know, I can have, I can do the, the adjunct job that I'm doing teaching, or I can run to the store by myself, (laughs) or I can paint my own toenails, or I can shower (laughs) and all of those things. Like, you know, like it's like purpose outside of being a mom again. And I'm happier and more engaged than when I'm in it. And I'm not angry at my husband. I'm not, you know, like. And then stopping off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're a much more, um, you know, that quality is back when you are in that role. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You're better there where, you know, with having this non-mum time. Yeah. Just yourself. Yeah. Outside of that role. And so those changes. But I love what you were saying and very similar to jessica as well like oh, i suppose with the therapist but she, you also mentioned friends and and your partner as well jessica like that a big part of recovery seems to be having a person or persons whether professional or our friends or family that we can go to and just talk and sometimes it might be venting sometimes it might be mm-hmm. therapy you know or, or even our friends suggesting something but that there's a person or persons we can uh, be real with about what is actually going on and who are in it, some who are in it with us, or at least sitting by by our side, that that's a fundamental aspect on the road to recovery for everyone I've spoken to and, and certainly myself. For people who are more insular like we're not someone to reach out like you samantha like you know we're not so the person who goes out makes it it can be a lot harder for for people in who are more like that you know and Mm -hmm. naturally it's not you know no fault to our own but yeah uh, being able to access a a community of some sort yeah so i'm glad that you've both had that but you know had challenges along the way (laughs) they haven't all been yeah and Shannon, I think, you know, um, because I'm that person who doesn't reach out mm-hmm. I, and I've done this before in other circumstances, but like I might join a Facebook group, right? Like I'm on the Peloton and postpartum mommy group yeah. and I am not going to be the person who comments, like writes this post about like what I'm struggling mm-hmm. with or anything, but I find similarities mm-hmm. sometimes in what they write. So then I want to read what people are saying and yeah. I might respond to somebody if they write something and I'm like, Oh, I've got something that might help them, you know, but like, yeah. so I have a community, a different kind of community than like my close knit friend group. Uh, but it's still a community where 
I can take as much initiative as I want. Yeah. That's what I love about online options out there, like Facebook groups where you can, you know, simply be an observer and, but you get a lot from that. You, you mm-hmm. yeah, you do. And, and it's so great because we're all different. We all access things differently. So having a whole heap of different options, including online communities are great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brings me to my, my last thing that I'd love to explore with, with guests and I'll go back to you, Jessica, and it's a link to really link back to everything but also recovery as well just some those learning points if if it's come to that point yet like i know with myself with my burnout which also like yourself jessica was compassion fatigue there as well that you know what what have you learned out of it you know what have been those learning points through that experience that you've taken with you that you could share with us today Well, I wrote down three. I'm sure there are more and I'll think of them at two in the morning. (laughs) But the three that I thought of in my notes. First, you do not need to stay at the job, the situation with the partner, etc. That is causing your burnout. And I know that listeners might go, yes, I do. Because that's exactly how I reacted when my husband would say, quit. I'd go, I can't. So, you know, I, I get that, but there is a solution. It may take some time, but there's always a way out. It always. And then a second one is get a therapist. Find that person who's going to be your supportive listener. And I, and I would tell her, I'm paying you to listen to me so that my husband doesn't have to, (laughs) and it wasn't that he didn't want to, but it was healthier for me to talk to somebody who is listening when, I mean, let's be quite frank here. My husband's not going to probably hear this. (laughs) He doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. And so like, (laughs) like, you know, so I'm talking to him and I'm like, I know you're not listening to me because you're doing the, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. So get that therapist who can actually give you the tools to navigate these really difficult situations and then put your mental and physical health above everything else. Those are my three. Wow. Thank you, Jessica. Really beautiful learning points there to share with others. And for you, uh, Samantha, like what, what are those things that are coming out for you that you've learned through this process of mom burnout? Um, I think, you know, one is about community and I know this from other points in my life, but it like, for me, I don't know, sometimes like I'm dense and you just got to keep clobbering me over the head with the same thing. Right. Like, and the fact that I don't have to have a big community, my community can be small, but those, that small group of people, like knowing that, that, that they're there, that, that I can reach out, that I can join something and decide my participation, just that that's important, not giving up like, okay, so (laughs) I tend to, and, and I said it like with my husband, I was talking to him and I felt like he wasn't listening. And I am the person who tends to be like, fine, I'll just do it all myself, you know, like, and like almost carry that so that I can keep resenting him. Right. But I kept kind of like against my better notion every week being like, I can't keep doing this. This isn't working for me. Da, da, da. Like, you need to do this. I need this. Da, da, da. Like, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. it took weeks, <laughs> actually like two months uh, <laughs> for it to sink in, but not giving up, like just continuing to try to express myself oh, yeah. so that something could change. I 
one of my friends, because I went to her and I was like, I need help. Like, I don't feel like I'm a good mom anymore. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And she's said back to me some of the few, she gave me like, she said, okay, you asked for insight. So here's what I'm going to give you. And I said, thank you. You know, like I responded and she's like, I don't think you needed my insight though. I think you needed validation. And that kind of has stuck with me that I think on some level, we all need that, especially when we're feeling like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm burnt out. Like I, I just can't. Right. Like, um, and so because I hold myself to a super high standard and when I felt like I wasn't meeting it, like I needed to hear almost from somebody else, like you are doing a great job. And that plays into my last like learning point was my assumption piece. And I've said this to Jessica, I've said it to my like close, close knit group of friends a, a lot. I mm. went in with very specific assumptions. I never shared my assumptions with my partner, but I went in with specific assumptions. And then when he didn't meet them, mm. I felt very alone and then started to like fall out. Like I just... I can't do this anymore. You know, I can't yes. keep doing this. Um, and so like really checking, checking mm -hmm. myself, my assumptions, like what are my assumptions? Are, am mm -hmm. I speaking to them? Does he know what they even are beforehand, you know? And so yeah. being clear about that has been a big learning point for me. Yeah. Such, such amazing learning points for, for both of you, Jessica and Samantha. Uh, yeah. That are so valuable to share as well. Thank you so much. Uh, I just, I want to thank you both from the absolute bottom of my heart was sharing your, um, both individual burnout, uh, to recovery experiences that, you know, one related to job, the other to mom, but seeing those crossovers as well. And, yeah, I just, I just thank you because it takes such courage uh, to share that vulnerability with, with the world, <laughs> with the viewers. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for You're letting welcome. us share. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure, ladies. And, and love to have you maybe back on one day. Who knows? <laughs> In the future. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully not to talk about burnout. No. <laughs> <laughs> shall go. Yeah, not another, not another uh, wave. No. <laughs> no. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shannon. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Burnout: A Different Kind of Gap Year podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to remain a patron. Your continual support will help the growth of this community. You can also show your support by letting others know about burnout, a different kind of gap year, and leaving a comment. I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to share your burnout to recovery experience, please email me at a different kind of gap year at outlook.com. The views, opinions, tips, and the like expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests are not a replacement for evidence-based therapy. These are our own human experiences. Just like I have done for myself, I encourage those of you who are suffering to seek professional help.